Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 264, and we're talking about Buenos Aires with Stephanie Ockerman. If this is your first time listening to the Indie Travel Podcast, then welcome. Uh, You can subscribe in iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, or look us up in any podcast directory absolutely free. Today we're talking with Stephanie Ockerman, the author of Buenos Aires, which is the first in a range of city guide books that we're releasing starting from this week. It's very exciting. Yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, You can read more and buy your copy of Buenos Aires at guides.indietravelpodcast.com. We'll also find a bunch of other great books. We've just had a full and fantastic week of travel. It's been amazing. We were in Seville, Jerez, Cádiz. We visited one of the prestigious Andalusian horse stables. And we also uh, hitched a ride with a bunch of mad singing Spanish retirees and their tour leader. <laughs> As you do. That was, that was mad, wasn't it? Yes, but we'll tell you more about that later in the show. Right now, let us introduce the wonderful Stephanie Ockerman. Well, today I'm speaking with Stephanie Ockerman, uh, the author of the new Indie Travel Guide to Buenos Aires. Stephanie, welcome on to the Indie Travel Podcast. Thank you. Well, first of all, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I am from the Midwestern part of the United States, specifically Columbus, Ohio. And for the most part, I think I've been on a pretty traditional path with my life. You know, went to university, worked in the information technology field uh, for several years. Um, And I've always been interested in travel. So, you know, I saved those precious few weeks of vacation every year to go explore different parts of the world. And every trip I took, my eyes opened a little bit more and I realized that there are people out there who live less traditional lifestyles and they find ways to uh, live as a digital nomad or they take career breaks or they decide they're going to pick up and move and live as an expat somewhere and start up a local business. And um, those types of things seem to fit the lifestyle that I would want in the future. And so I realized that I wanted to try um, traveling independently and for a much longer period of time. So my travel style has evolved from taking uh, group package trips, visiting three countries in seven to ten days, to wanting to take things as slow as possible and have lots of flexibility. Um, I wanted to get a little bit closer to the local cultures um, and I wanted to learn another language. Um, It's not something that is really that um, common in the United States. There's not much priority placed on learning another language. And I thought, you know, that would be that would be a really big goal for me to achieve. Um, So I made the decision to take a year off to backpack around Latin America. I did my research, figured out all the things I would need to do to wrap up my life in Ohio. And I bought a flight and backpack. Um, So I started my blog, The Travel Chica, and basically just made learning, writing, and photography my focus for two years. Um, The one year kind of turned into two, which was great. Um, So for the past three or four years, um, I've really tried to focus on living simpler and consuming less and having more experiences Um, and taking the long-term travel approach uh, really kind of helped solidify that and um, has helped me kind of, even though I've gone back to the United States, um, it's helped me kind of keep those keep those philosophies um, as a part of my everyday life. 
Yeah, that's one thing that's really interested me about your journey as you've gone from, okay, I'm going to do this year trip to, hey, I can I can do this for longer. And then bringing all of the stuff that you learned while you're out on the road and kind of bringing it home with you. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I have gone back to the traditional lifestyle, but, you know, my 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 thoughts have changed my philosophies um, are still there and you know I can still live um, in Ohio and I can still work in a corporate job um, but you know what I get from my travels stays with me that's awesome and um, with this time around Latin America you spent quite a bit of time in Buenos Aires and ended up knowing it well enough to write a guidebook. Um, what's your attraction to Buenos Aires? What kind of led you there? Well, I had actually been to Buenos Aires um, on one of those two-week vacations the year before I started my career break. And at the time, I fell in love with the city, and I was there for probably less than a week. Um, it's a huge city, and it's I had never really been in a city that big. And um, it was just buzzing with energy all the time. Um, I loved how all of the neighborhoods have their own unique vibe and look and feel. And um, so it kind of made this massive city, kind of massive chaotic city, um, seem more welcoming and manageable. Um, and the architecture is just stunning. Um, and even though I couldn't speak the language the first time I was there, you know, I could sense the passion of people. And so when I started traveling through Latin America, I made my way through Central America and was in Colombia. And I had already booked a flight to Buenos Aires from there because my goal was to travel down through Patagonia before the winter came. And I got to Buenos Aires and I had been a few months into my backpacking. And I thought, you know what? I'm kind of tired. I'm kind of tired of moving around all the time. And... I really love this city and when I was here before I thought I'd like to try living here and so I did. I stopped there and um, I lived there for about six months um, and I just I absolutely loved it. That's awesome and what do you think attracts other people? I mean most people don't uh, kind of pass through and then return for uh, for half a year. What, what's the thing that, uh, that excites people about going there? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. I think that it's, it's the energy and the fact that the city really does not sleep. There is something going on around the clock and not just something, there's a hundred things going on all the time. And you really have to stay for a while to, to really start to explore it because it, it is a large city. And um, whatever your interests, you will find it there. Um, it, it just has so much to offer because of the, the diversity of the interests of the porteños. And um, it's a great place for expats. There are so many expats there um, because there's opportunity to start up businesses. Um, there's opportunity to meet people from around the world who settle um, in Buenos Aires. So it's just a very international um, cosmopolitan city. So there's a lot more to it than tango then, that's what I'm hearing. 
Absolutely. Um, actually, tango is not nearly as prevalent in, in Buenos Aires as people think it is. You know, of course, it is very important in their history and it's a part of their culture. And if you're in touristy areas, if you're researching things to do, you will find out that there are lots of tango shows, lots of milongas. Um, but really, most Argentines I knew did not dance tango. Um, so there, there really is so much more to Buenos Aires. Um, tango does kind of help demonstrate that immense passion of the porteños. And it's really that passion that I think has created um, an amazing community of artists and musicians. And the people of Buenos Aires love to learn new things. They love to be active. They love to be creative. And, you know, tango is just one example of that. Um, but it's also manifested itself to having these incredible museums and art galleries, cool boutique shops, um, tons of cultural festivals throughout the year um, and there's just events all the time and a lot of them do focus on art and music and dance and learning about other cultures so it's um it's it's definitely more than tango yeah one thing that fascinated me is just the sheer amount of bookstores and especially secondhand bookstores there it felt like sometimes you couldn't walk down a street without running into someone selling books or having an outdoor book festival with couches set up in a park and it was yeah that I guess that idea of of learning of creativity is is really prevalent and something that doesn't get a lot of talk time or or kind of print run when it comes to Buenos Aires. Yes absolutely Um, I'm glad you brought that up the bookstores it was one of the things I first noticed when I was there and they had this massive book festival, international book festival. Um, And it went on for, I think, two to three weeks. And I thought, how can you have a book festival for that long? And you know what? It was packed. They had a line out the door. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, did your, I mean, after living there for six months, you then um, actually returned to do the, the writing and research for this book. So was there stuff that stood out for you as you were um, like looking at it as a guidebook writer? Did your research kind of change your way of, of looking at it? Yeah, I, you know, having the benefit of living there uh, for several months before the thought was even in my head of writing a city guide, I, you know, I, it helped me form an impression of the city before I had any worries about, you know, how am I going to present the city to readers? How am I going to capture it all? So I had already formed my impressions, um, and I think that was a very good thing. So I was, en- I enjoyed the city. I wasn't working while I was there. Um, and then when I went back to research and write the guidebook, my challenge was to learn about the aspects of the city that on the surface were not that interesting to me when I lived there. I knew they were there. I knew they were part of um, what Buenos Aires has to offer. Um, But it kind of forced me to learn more and actually experience those things. And, you know, I enjoyed that learning process and kind of got more of an appreciation for things that, you know, I didn't know that I had any interest in. And then also I had this strong drive to go deeper into the things that I had already experienced and enjoyed. Um, You know, for example, the the wine and where to find, you know, the best wines um, in the city and the the best local restaurants, um, you know, kind of getting out of the touristy mode and um, things like museums. You know, there are so many museums there and I had been to tons of them. Uh, but there's there were still so many more to explore, and so I had that opportunity um, to just keep going a little bit deeper. 
And um, the other thing was I talked to a lot more porteños, a lot more residents of the city um, in my research. And I had to use a lot of Spanish for that. So it was another um, challenging and, and um, really rewarding experience to um, kind of have reason to go talk to the people and learn more about um, their perspective and what they know and love about the city. One of the things we've tried to do is um, create mini guides within the guidebook itself of different neighborhoods. So, you know, instead of going, I really want to go to that museum, but the, the restaurant I want to go to is 25 kilometers away on the other side of town. Um, if you had to pick one of the, the dozen or so different neighborhoods that you've written up, if you just had one day to go back to Buenos Aires, wh what neighborhood would you go to and, and why? Oh, wow. That, that's a tough one. Um, the hardest thing about planning a trip to Buenos Aires is picking what you want to do because there really is so much. You know, I, I lived there, I think in total it would be close to a year. Um, and, you know, it, I still didn't even go as far as I wanted to. Um, so I, I do love the uh, 10 ways to spend a day in the book because I just think it really can help narrow things down. Um, so for me, if I were to go back... I would split my time between um, a section of Recoleta and Palermo um, that has a lot of really great art museums, beautiful outdoor green spaces, um, you know, the, the architecture and grandeur of Recoleta and then the part of Palermo that borders Recoleta is just really stunning and, you know, it helps you understand why Buenos Aires has the nickname of the Paris of South America. Um, and it, and that kind of, that neighborhood has a little bit of everything I love about the city. The, you know, the architecture, great art, um, good food, uh, great opportunities for trying Argentine wines. Yeah, that's certainly something I love. That, uh, <laughs> going and tasting your way through the city. It's good yeah. fun. Very good fun. Well, um... Getting practical for a minute, what is the number one most important thing that people have to know about visiting Buenos Aires? We've talked about some of the reasons you might want to visit and, and where to go if you're pressed for time. But um, yeah, what what's kind of the, the practical? You, you have to know this insider tip. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that from a practical standpoint, the thing you have to remember that you know, when you get to Buenos Aires and you're in some of those really grand neighborhoods, beautiful, stunning architecture, fancy shopping, um, the thing you still have to remember is that this is a very large city that attracts a lot of tourists. And just like any city that has a large tourist attraction to it, there's crime. And, you know, as long as you remember that and you keep that in mind and you take the practical steps, um, use your common sense, you know, you can really enjoy um, the city and, you know, make sure that you're still safe and don't have any bad experiences. Well, I'm very excited because there's still a little bit of time left for us. What I'd like to ask you about is the food. You've alluded to it a couple of times, but tell us about Argentine and, and Buenos Aires cuisine. Oh, that's a, an interesting topic. Um, so the, the cuisine of Buenos Aires is... It has several influences. Um, because of the strong influence of um, Italian immigrants, a lot of their food is really Italian. Um, and, you know, it's been changed a little bit 
Um, but I think that's kind of a, it was a surprise for me, I think the first time that I went to the city. Um, but there, there's lots of pizza, lots of pastas. Um, but the interesting thing is there's a lot of bad pasta and a lot of bad pizza. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really good to get, um, to get tips from people who live there, tips from guidebooks, because, um, even though it's really, you can find really good Italian food and pizzas, pastas, you still have to know where to go. Um, the other thing is you still have the, the other, the Latin American influence in the food. So empanadas are prevalent, I mean, everywhere. And it's one of the cheapest things you can eat. So it's, it's a really great on the go meal and they're delicious. Um, the, the other thing with the food is, uh, people say that it's a city for meat lovers and that's absolutely true. And it is hard for me to eat a steak when I'm not in Argentina because it just isn't as good and it costs four times as much. Um, so you absolutely must eat steak when you're there. And um, that actually at most places is pretty good because the quality is just fantastic. And there is an art to cooking a steak and they know how to do it right. Um, the other thing I love about steak is the chimichurri salsa that comes with it. It's just amazing and the perfect thing to put on a steak. Um, the, the other piece of the, uh, the diet is that they eat lots and lots of sugar. And that is most prevalent in a little thing called dulce de leche. And I think they put dulce de leche in pretty much every possible thing that you could think of. And it's not just a little bit of dulce de leche. It's about a cup of dulce de leche. Um, so it's, it's an interesting culinary place because you get this Italian influence, you have the Latin American influence, you have this, um, the country being so known for the quality of their beef. And um, then you throw wine into that. And the Argentine wine is the best wine I've ever had. Um, and once you really start to um, explore the wine, and I, I definitely recommend doing a tasting for people that want to actually learn about the different types of grapes, the different wine regions of Argentina, um, because you really can tell the difference um, between the, these different types of wines. And they really uh, pride themselves on the quality of their wine. Wonderful. That's uh, certainly something that's helped Linda and I continue to fall in love with Buenos Aires, the uh, the food and the wine there. Well, thank you very much for coming on to the Indie Travel Podcast today. People can, of course, find you at thetravelchica.com and uh, find your new book, The uh, Guide to Buenos Aires, at indietravelpodcast.com. Great. Thank you. Thanks again to Stephanie for coming on the show. Remember, you can find her at thetravelchica.com. And you can find her guidebook, Buenos Aires, alongside another guide for Las Vegas and a bunch of other independently researched and written travel guides at guides.indietravelpodcast.com. All of our city guides include the top 10 things to do, which are the traveler highlights, definitely worth doing. We also have the best days out. You can try out these tailor-made itineraries and get the best out of the location. There's good neighborhood knowledge as well. Things are organized around a, uh, a central barrio in the case of Buenos Aires. And, uh, <laughs> you might need to use the English word. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, things are organized both by neighborhood and by type. So if you're looking for a great restaurant nearby, you can find it. But if you're looking for a Thai restaurant, for example, you can find them all over the city. Yes, I think it's quite a good system because it means that if you're staying in one place and you don't need to, you don't want to go into the central city to eat, you can find what you're looking for near where you are. And there's also travel tips, insider advice, and background notes on the history and culture of the place. So yeah, they're very exciting, and we really think you should go to guides.intravelpodcast.com and buy all of them. That would be awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to do something new in the uh, the guide space, so we hope that you uh, hope that you enjoy it. Well, let us tell you about this week. Our friend Alba was here uh, for the first half of it, and uh, we're also entering our very last week here in Jerez de la Frontera in southern Spain after almost three months of being here. Yeah, it's been it's been three months, and it's mad. And having Alba here was awesome because we went and did lots of touristy things, but it was also, well, it meant that we didn't get quite as much work done as we would have liked. So um, now we're kind of in full-on work mode and pack mode because we leave here on Friday. Ah, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, we started in uh, Seville where we went up just for the day. It's, what, less than an hour? About an hour. No, it's just over an hour, an just hour and over, ten minutes. Just over an hour from uh, Jerez de la Frontera to Seville. And we went to the Plaza España, wandered around Triana, went and saw the setas and the cathedral and the uh, the fortress and the river. and We did all sorts I, of things. We, we, we did, uh, yeah, Seville in a day. But uh, three or four hours were taken up on a little bit of a tapas tiki tour or extended lunch break <laughs> with uh, the queen of the tapas. <laughs> La reina de las tapas. Yeah. A uh, woman called Sean, who's uh, based there and does tapas tours. Oh, they were brilliant. Oh, my goodness. Oh, delicious. <laughs> we'll put a link to her site in the show notes. And uh, you can find her on Twitter at uh, Sevilla Tapas. Yeah. And then on Tuesday, we visited a winery, the most touristy one. Wasn't It was all right. And then on Wednesday, we went to Cadiz, which was awesome. It's such a beautiful city. I love wandering around it. Uh, we've, we went up the, was it the Tavira Tower? Mm -hmm. And they've got a camera obscura. I'm totally, totally addicted to camera obscuras at the moment. They are so awesome. It's just so much fun. You can see all around and people are moving and the guy kind of plays with the people. There's one here in Jerez as well. And uh, it looks out over the cathedral. And since we live really near the cathedral, it's made me wonder how often <laughs> the guide has been playing with me on the camera obscura. It's quite fun. And uh, then what else did we get up to? This weekend was the Cadiz Festival, which is a, a big weekend long event, the Carnival. A uh, big weekend-long event that, that goes on, but uh, we spent our Friday night at a friend's place watching it on TV while uh, playing some rather ridiculous board games. It was fun. And uh, just having a good time, and then, yeah, we've just been in this final uh, finish things off and, and get ready to go stage. And we also went to the Yeguada de la Catuja, which is a, a horse stables, and they do a, a horse show once a week. We'd been invited to go out, and we didn't realize how far away it was. So we got up late on Saturday morning and caught a taxi out there, which was quite expensive. And we had a really good time there. The guide showed us around. We saw the operating room. Apparently three vets work there full-time, which is quite yeah. a lot. Well, they have 300 of these thoroughbred horses. They're amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And the show was great. The, the dressage bit was really good, and I enjoyed the, um, the carriage race. That was fun. And I finally learned what a fighting is, you know, after all those... <laughs> References in Jane Austen books. Fascinating. Well, anyway, we left and we were kind of wondering how to get home because 
Well, we could we could take a taxi, but we're not very big fans of taxis. We definitely couldn't walk, and there wasn't any public transport options. So we noticed that there were some tour buses parked outside. And being cheeky, we went up and said, hey, look, are you guys going near Jerez? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah. We said, so can you give us a lift? And they said, oh, you'll have to ask the guide. So I hopped on the bus and asked the guide, and he was like, oh, I'm doing, oh. Oh, sure. And so we got on and everyone on the bus was looking at us confusedly like, what? what? <laughs> and we sat down and we had to sit separately because there were no two seats together. And we ended up having this long conversations with our seatmates. The guide got on and he got everyone singing. Yeah. <laughs> it and was, then he told a long joke involving a chicken. A Catalan Cat- chicken. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't must get admit it. that was no a idea. bit beyond me. But he just, every so often he just turned on the microphone and go, da 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 you know, just... And then turn it off again. That was it. <laughs> yeah. I think we were just laughing the whole time. It was it was quite mad. And they dropped us off about two or three k's outside of Jerez. It was uh, on the city right outskirts. in the area where all of the farmyard restaurants are. So it was kind of farmyard and little little restaurants where they serve mosto and uh, produce off of the farms. So. But it was hilarious because our seatmates were a bit indignant. They're like, are they letting you off here? We're like, on, the, on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah. Well, we kind of did just scrounge a lift. So <laughs> yeah, anywhere is fine. <laughs> They're like, but, but we're like, no, no, we're fine. And then we saw the mostos and we're like, awesome. So we had lunch there sitting by the fire, had some mushrooms and some shrimp. What were they? Shrimp fritters and uh, ajo de campo so it was so delicious yeah it was fantastic and then uh well this coming week we will be locking ourselves inside uh finishing off these guidebooks making sure there's content up for you over the next couple of weeks because we're going to be taking our first holiday in over a year and we're going to try going (laughs) screen free i told someone i told someone we're going on holiday and they were like it sounds so funny to think of you going on holiday (laughs) because most of the world thinks we're perpetually on holiday which is kind of half true yeah yeah well i reckon going around tapas bars and definitely working oh definitely yeah sure whatever (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we're gonna uh gonna try going screen free and uh yeah it'll be really interesting and we're gonna do yoga can you imagine yeah (laughs) i I can't you might be able to but i have no idea (laughs) it's gonna be good yeah so we're going to um azul fit which is a place out in the canary island of fuerteventura uh we've never been to the canaries before i've never done yoga before and all in all it's gonna be fascinating have you really never done yoga before no i don't think so i've done a little bit of uh tai chi and i've probably done some yoga stretches as part of my taekwondo training but no i've I've never done a yoga session and uh we're signed up for a week of it thanks to the uh the folks at us all fit it's gonna be great well i think that's pretty much us for this week so until next week travel well